Welcome to the Well-Bred Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you are encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by our senior leadership. Yay. Morning. I want to invite Apostle Kathy and Prophet Matthew up. You guys can have a seat. Worship was awesome. I love the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kind of vibe. Don't you guys love that? I almost started headbanging a little bit. So we're going to do a, um, like a conversation interview kind of session this morning. We were talking about, find my spot, I need like a little mug holder. Uh, we've been, we're not really, we think this conversation is going to be around purpose and vision and um, you know, the ability to kind of carry through the seasons of life, um, but we're all, I feel like also we're all going to kind of find out together where this goes, so um, we thought that we would start with just you guys having an opportunity to share whatever you want or don't want to share, but whatever you want to share about the last, say, couple years, kind of the highlight reel of what life has been like. I know probably a lot of the church has heard portions of it here and there, but maybe a you know, that summary version might help everybody to hear where you guys are coming from when you share about purpose. And uh, What's the saying of beauty for beauty? No, I was going to say beauty before, age before beauty. Age before beauty, yeah. You got me on both. What do I do? All right, I'll go. Uh, so last, uh, last two years, does everybody have a Kleenex? Some antidepressants? <laughs> So the last couple years have been interesting for me. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am a pastor, and I'm also in the restaurant industry. So I, quick recap, I own, I had a single location in, right outside of downtown Grand Rapids, and then uh, op- was opening up another location. The, on Sunday, I hired about 25 employees before a grand opening, and then Monday, our, uh, we went into quarantine. <laughs> so the, the, the dining rooms of restaurants got shut down. That was on, on Monday of that week. And so on Monday, I laid off 25 employees that were actually never officially hired. And our grand opening was scheduled for that Thursday. So we went into quarantine. So I got to watch uh, a very l- large sum of money sit empty uh, for, I think, eight weeks or so before we, we opened. Yeah. So we did a grand opening, uh, takeout grand opening with the restaurant. Um, So I had all that going on, and at the same time, uh, we had to become social or social media video pros for the church. We turned the church over and and flipped it online in like a week. And we we kind of had online stuff, but not. Yeah, we weren't. I don't think we were even streaming yet at that point, were we? No, we didn't do anything live yet. Am I on? It says I'm on. There we go. Yeah, so we for me... We set it up in my, be- in my um, living room. That's where we started. Yeah, yeah, so we started, we started in the living room. That was cool, right in front of the fireplace. We didn't know that there was a reflection off the fireplace, though, so you could see people pacing out in the, the kitchen, for those of you that were watching the live stream. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had to kind of reposition after the first week. And uh, all of, everybody in the background is like freaking out trying to figure out the live stream, and it's getting reflected off of the fireplace. Which is pretty awesome. Have you guys forgotten what that was like? I mean, we couldn't come into the church. We weren't, like, allowed to open up the doors. So we didn't even live stream here yeah. until finally we just said, well, we're not going to do this any longer, and we yeah. opened up the doors anyway. Yeah, we were one of the first churches in town to reopen, which was cool. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's why many of you are, are here right now. Because uh, there's actually, there's, there's people out here right now that came because we were the only church that was open. And then they stayed because of the presence. Uh, so yeah, so then that was just a journey going into quarantine. But there was a lot that worked out in me personally. Um, you've probably heard me share a lot lately about purpose and, and achievement and faithfulness. And, and all of my messages have been, for like two years, have been the same message, just kind of reworded. Um, and it's all my personal journey. 
I have personally been in a time of just, it was a time where I had all this emotional energy built up and ready to finally, you know, unveil everything that the Lord was doing in my life, which was the grand opening of the restaurant. And right before that happened, the, the carpet just got removed from me. So then I had to just go through a big identity crisis, honestly, of what am I actually worth without my achievements? And so that has been the last two years of my life has been sorting through that and figuring out what it looks like to live in rest instead of striving. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And it just looked. What was some of the health stuff, too, that's happened? The good? The, the health. Oh. Your back. The, oh, yes. So also right before quarantine uh, in January of 2020, I had a back injury that put me on the couch for about three months a week after my fourth daughter was born. So we had a newborn screaming in our house during quarantine, and I can't move. So <laughs> that, was, uh, that was interesting. It put a lot of pressure on Rachel. And then I guess this last month, I, I forgot about this. <laughs> uh, so then August, beginning of August of this year, um, Rachel got in a, whoo, still, still there, got in a car accident. And uh, yeah, so she had a concussion, has a concussion, had a concussion. And uh, again, you know, life has just kind of been going a little bit from chaos to chaos, but in the midst of it, I've just been pushing closer and closer to Jesus. So that put me on full duty um, with everything at home, yeah. not just the cooking and all the cleaning and all the great things that I do around the house, but now I, I do them all, everything. And I don't know how long this is going to last, <laughs> but she seems to like it that way. So <laughs> I think we might keep it going. She's actually fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I there, made a joke. There was never she, an like, accident. She threw the car in reverse when she saw a truck sitting behind her. <laughs> Acted like she got rear-ended, but she was like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> is there anything you want to share? Wow. Mine is a little more personal, I think, but um, I am off sabbatical. And, um, Yay. Yeah. So I'll be back in church uh, this week. And um, people said, are you ready? And I'm like, I don't know, when, when do you define ready, right? So sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and, and keep going, and that's what um, I'm choosing to do. Uh, I want to read what purpose means, because I think that sometimes we get confused about what purpose actually is. If you look up the definition of purpose, it says the reason for which something exists or is done or is made or is used. So you look at what is, why do you exist? Why do I exist? And um, that is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last few years of, you know, losing as a pastor of a church and watching, even looking out here right now and seeing half of the amount of people that we had before COVID hit and how many people um, have grown accustomed to um, just staying home. Um, I think it's like 50% of people will never return to church. Uh, I had a conversation uh, with someone, and I said, so where are you at? Where are you going? Nowhere. And I said, how come? And this is not somebody who, this is somebody who um, I know loves Jesus and has been a part of a, of a church community their, most of their life. And um, they said, to be honest, it's just, it's nice to have Sundays off. It's nice to get up and just have breakfast and not have to rush and get ready and go someplace. And I, that has bothered me ever since that conversation, not only for them, but for the fact that how many people have taken on that mentality. Right. When did your life become the most important thing that you've set yourself on a pedestal and forgot to put Jesus where he belongs on the throne? And it hurts, it's, and it grieves me because I think that we've lost our priorities in life. And like what Matthew said, is it's really not about accomplishment and going and going and going. And that's what I'm learning through this process. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's like, God, at the end of the day, my, num my, my days are getting shorter. <laughs> and what am I known for? Am I known for starting a church in my basement? Am I known for, um, you know, liking pretty clothes or, or, you know what I'm saying? What am I known for? I want to be known for Jesus. I want to be known for how well I loved and how many times I got up after I kept falling down. 
or it got knocked down. Yeah. That's what you want to be known for. You don't want to be known for just doing what you want to do. You want to be known for doing what he wanted you to do. Yeah. That's good. And that's what purpose is. Purpose is finding, first of all, Jesus and understanding the kingdom of God. Purpose isn't just going to work. Purpose isn't just what you do. It's a core value in who you are. My purpose goes with me wherever I'm at. I, my purpose is when I'm with my grandchildren, when I'm with my children, when I'm with my friends or my peers or, or the people that I'm mentoring or discipling. My purpose is always with me because it's the core value of who I am. That's good. I love what you're sharing about, you know, kind of getting back up if you're knocked down or, or I think you said pushed down. It's one of the testimonies I've heard of both of you guys is people will say they're so strong, they're resilient, they're, they're these things. Because, you know, this is not a feel bad for me story. This is not like tell us all your woes so we can all cry. It's testify to the victory of God in your life. Let people, let, let's, those that maybe don't know see, because what, what we do see is consistent victory. We see you, you know, loving people, being kind. You're not impatient. You're not frustrated. You're not, you know, short-tempered. Um, and so I would ask, as you guys are both kind of sharing this journey, what is it that you have learned about your purpose? If it's that core value that you carry with you everywhere, how do you think of your purpose? Or is it a, is it a statement? Is it a mission statement? Is it a, you know, how do you think about that? What is that thing that goes with you everywhere in your relationships? Um. I'll be real honest and transparent. I think I'm redefining my purpose. Maybe what has it been? Because my next question is, what are some misconceptions that you see people yeah. carry about purpose? So what is it maybe something that you're learning about? Or Well, I met with someone uh, yesterday afternoon um, who had a great impact in my life. And I, I think I've shared with some of you who know, know um, his name is Dr. Leon Van Ruin, and um, I met him back in the 90s. And it's when I, I was only saved a few years. Um, and he came to the church that I grew up in, as far as spiritually speaking. And he was mightily used of God to bring revival into this church. And this church was in revival. I never saw, I, I've never been a part of a, of a congregation that saw more people get saved than that church did. And it was, it was happening outside of the walls. It was happening inside of the walls. It was, it was phenomenal. And I remember, and I told him the story yesterday. I said, I don't know if you know this. I said, but you've had a great impact on my life. You were the one person that looked at me and saw beyond what you saw on the outside and knew I was called of God and knew, and you said, you're going to do great things for him. My pastors at that time didn't see it because I was a woman and still am a woman. Just, Thankfully. Just, just in case you didn't notice. <laughs> These days you have to kind of... Yeah. yeah, anyway. But I told them, I said, I said, what you imparted into my life is why I'm where I'm at today, and it's why... Um, I was telling about Matthew and Max and other people. I said, they wouldn't be where they're at today had you not done what you did for me. And, um, he, and I told him, I said, do you know that I would know when you walked into the sanctuary in the back of the room because the anointing and the presence of God would increase? And I could turn around every time, look, and there he was. I knew because he was so saturated with the presence of God. And so we started telling stories of, I haven't seen him for over 20 years, and we just reconnected. And so we started just sharing life, and I, as I'm sitting there, I'm like thinking about purpose, and I'm like, what is this, what is all of what we're doing about? It's about that one thing, whether it be one person or a million people or whatever, you impart something to one person, and that person can impart to so many different people. And I think we're looking for the masses when God's asking us to stop for one. That's what he did. He left the 99 and he went after that one. And that's what, to me, that's what redefining my purpose looks like. It's not about having this big uh, ministry. It's about one person and then maybe one more. Does that make sense? 
um, Mother Teresa, uh, towards the end of her life, was came back here. I think it was to speak at the United. No, I don't remember why. She was visiting back here for something, and a reporter ran to her face, stuck a microphone in her face, and said to her, um, "You know, Mother Teresa, you spent all these years here. What's the name of the country that she was in? India, Calcutta. Calcutta. Um, and so she." She's, you've spent all these years in Calcutta, poverty hasn't changed, this hasn't changed, this hasn't changed, this hasn't changed. Do you feel like you were a success? And she said back to the reporter, my success is not based on my fruit, but on my faithfulness to what he's called me to do. And that alone, I would say, has been the number one thing that has transformed me in this last year and a half or two years uh, regarding my own personal purpose in life is what am I supposed to do today, Lord? Am I, am I doing what you have called me to be faithful with and only with what's right in front of me. I don't need to try to make and create and, and, and try to invent something out of nothing and push really hard and try to, to, to create something that looks really good <laughs> in front of people and is not what he has called me to do. Because if I'm striving after all these things that I feel like he's called me to do, but I'm anxious, I'm stressed out, I'm burned out, my family's suffering, you know, I, I'm not sleeping at night, whatever it is, then there's something wrong and, it, and it's not on his end, it's on my end. It's not what he's called me to do. It means maybe I'm not listening, right? Or I'm, not putting my, I'm putting more faith in the fruit coming to pass than the one that has actually called me to serve him. And so um, for me, this last you know, two years has been just literally seeking, stripping away everything, all the achievements, everything that I feel, um, you know, for, for those that are in the Enneagram, uh, a three-wing four would, would go after. It's our achievements define us. Um, all of those things and knowing that if this all burns at the end of the day, which in the Bible it claims it, it will all burn at the end of the day, um, am I faithful to what, he, to what it is that he's called me to do? Am I actually living in, in a place of contentment and, and peace? And uh, so that's, that's where I've been pushing hard that's into. That's so good. I, I keep thinking of, um, while you guys are sharing, the difference between purpose or insignificance. And it kind of feels like that might be one of those misconceptions that maybe it's an American thing, maybe it's a worldly thing of pursuing significance. Like we want to be important, we want to do important stuff. And it's almost like significance and then faithfulness and then sinlessness or, you know, however we would think about it. So what would you think? Um, I was thinking of this question that I forgot when I started talking Maybe for people who don't know their purpose, you know, that unsettled, anxiety-ridden morning or afternoon where you're like, what am I even doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Have you, either of you ever lived there? So how have you processed through that? And what do you do when, when you don't know what you're supposed to be doing or who you are or those moments? How do you think about those I'd say find who you're called to and serve them. Like if you are, if you're connected to whoever and they seem to know their purpose, then I would serve that. And you'll find out who you are as a result. We see it with Ruth. You know, Ruth made a covenant with Naomi and she was released by all matters, you know, of, of situation that took place where her husband died. She's now no longer tied to Naomi at all, uh, except for the fact that she had made a covenant. And she says to Naomi, I'm going to go with you wherever you go. I'm not going to leave your side. And so as a result, she follows Naomi. She sacrifices her own life and her own um, maybe desires. You know, the other was it three brothers that died and the other two go away. And they're like, I'm, I'm gone. And Ruth decided to stick with Naomi. And then as a result, she ends up finding Boaz. She gets married and she is now grafted into the lineage of Jesus. Just as a result, by staying in covenant with the, pe with the person that was around her. So she found purpose here in this life as, in serving other people. Are we using the narrow lens, by the way? Dan, narrow lens. I just want to make sure we're narrow. Okay, just kidding. Anyway, I'm also... <laughs> it's another thing I've gained throughout this year is yes, 30 pounds. I, well done. Yeah, I was going to say, we've, we've, we've put on some joy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Some almond joy. <laughs> some almond joy. All the dads are like, amen. <laughs> it was a good dad joke. Oh, boy. Anyway, I'm getting right back at it, though. Yeah. I am. Tomorrow. <laughs> 
Anyway, purpose. <laughs> Back to my... Um, I think that when you're trying to find your purpose, just do something. Put your hands to something. I remember um, when I first got saved, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is all so new to me. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do or what my gifts are or what, what I'm desiring. But one thing I was good at and one of the things I loved was business. So I just thrived in business. And I thought, how can I bring what everyone keeps talking about, like the kingdom of God? What does that look like to bring it into a business? And what it looked like for me at that time was taking the core values that defined heaven and bringing them into what I was doing, which meant that I was going to walk with integrity. I wasn't going to lie when I sold you something. And I was going to give you the best product I could give you and at the best price. And that's how I just did my life. And I thought that's a representation of the kingdom of God. So I think that we're all looking, when we look at purpose, we can get really caught yeah. up in like um, what we're doing for Jesus. Yeah. And you know, like um, I should be laying hands on people every day and I should be, you know, it's not necessarily like that. I think just ask God and he'll tell you. And it, I feel like, People who are like stay-at-home moms feel like they're less than. Or, you know, if you're working a nine-to-five job, you're less than. Or and all of that is just so rubbish and not true. And I think finding your purpose really comes with your identity mm-hmm. in Christ. It, again, it's not purpose is not what you do. It's who you are. And then who you are may result in something that you do. You know, I want to know one of the things I love to do the most is I love design, and I'm not doing it. I love design. I've, I've flipped a couple of my own houses and remodeled them and did all that. I love that, but I'm not doing that currently. And so I'm like, well, what is the other thing that I love? And I, I love people. And I know so many pastors that really just don't even like people. And I'm like, I don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. But I really do. And one of my greatest joys, other than design, is to, is to raise people up. I'm, I constantly am trying to encourage people to be better versions of themselves and so that they can lead somebody else. And so find, I find ways to do that. Sometimes it's, it looks like this. I can do it when I'm at Mudpenny. And I'm trying to constantly cause people who work for Matthew <laughs> to like be better versions of themselves. That doesn't stop. It goes wherever I'm at. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so it seems like who you are is who you are no matter what your function is. I think a lot of times we find purpose in function and not in identity. Like where you are, we're looking for, well, like I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we meet somebody and say, what do you do? So that we can categorize what we're actually saying, who are you to me, is what, is what we're wow. saying subconsciously, not even realizing, who are you? What do you do for work? And, but that's not who you are. That's just a function that you, maybe you're doing right now in this very time in life. But no matter where you are, you, who you are should come out in what you are doing. Where do you start? Like, if you think of your life, who are you? If it starts with who I am in your own personal lives, when, you're, when you consider that, when you daydream, when you have the you know, good and bad thoughts that come, negative or positive, or there's trials at work or at church, or, you know, what the question I had is what beliefs help you overcome adversity, but maybe going into your purpose coming from who you are, how do you actually think of you? I can answer that. That's an everyday battle. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if you, maybe there are people out there that just wake up thinking they're amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Um, I think that I have to slow down my thoughts and um, get them aligned with what heaven says about me, what what Jesus says, what the Word says, um, and that's where my identity comes from. Again, it's not it. Every time it comes from what I do, I get discouraged. Hmm. Because I look at um, the people, I'm just, I can go back to this. Obviously, it's, it's a hurt in me. The amount of people that have left this church during COVID and after COVID and use that as their blanket excuse um, is hurtful. 
It's hard to understand. It'd be one thing if the, you're blessing somebody and release, you know, sending them off, and that's we'd love to do. It's remember, it's it's um, heal, restore, heal restore, train, and send. Yeah. And so we're fine with the sending part. Um, it's just when people don't even know why uh, they're leaving, and um, that's hard. And so if my purpose and my identity is established in that. I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I would have probably quit doing what I'm doing and do something different. Um, so back to what you're saying, how do I, you know, what defines that? How do I, um, when all the bad things are going on, when you go through, you know, a divorce and you're a leader in a church, how does that look? Let's just be real for a moment. That's not, that's not easy. Because shame comes and it wants to attach itself to you and tell you you're not good enough, and that really your life is just nothing more than a lie. How many of you ever felt like that? Yeah. Where you feel like your life is nothing more than a lie. You present yourself one way, but really you're probably something, you're actually something else. That's the enemy. And that's when you have to stop those thoughts, and, and they are, that's why, again, your purpose is not based on what you do, whether it's good or bad whether it's a mistake that you've made or something that somebody else did to you. Sometimes you're the, you're the, you're the product of what somebody else's mistakes were, and that's just the truth, or somebody else's weaknesses or shortcomings or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, I have to get alone, and sometimes it's, you know, you have to, you have to war for that. There, there are just times I just don't feel like a million bucks. There's times that I just think, what is my purpose? And I'll say that to myself. I'll be like, what am I here for? I'm like, we're doing this thing. Enjoy the journey. And I have a t-shirt that says, enjoy the journey. Sometimes I'm like, screw the journey. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth if we're going to be real. Yeah. Who's, who's walking around all the time like, yeah, we're going to enjoy all the hard knocks, and every time you get, you know, tossed aside? No, yeah. it's not like that. Yeah. And I think that the, the reality is, is that if the body of Christ would really just be a little bit more authentic yeah. and not so plastic and, and super ultra spiritual, wow. we would find out that this, we're human. <laughs> we're not perfect. And every time we put leaders on a pedestal, they, only, they have one direction to go, and that's down. And, and, and that's why there's so many um, leaders, whether it be leaders in the church or leaders in businesses, whatever, that fail. And, and because, because uh, failure is, is, not, is something that we do. It's not who we are. Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you failed, and then you have to get back up. And what people want to see and what, and what God wants to see is he wants to see somebody fail and, and get back up, but he doesn't want you to quit. Yeah. We don't have an option to be a quitter. So I don't even know if that answered your question, but, but do you see what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's time for all of us to realize that that purpose is, is, is really at the core of who we are, but it's not easy. And it is something that we have to reevaluate constantly and what we do if we want to talk about what we do that changes that changes what I'm doing today and what I know I'm going to do for the next year I believe is going to look different than I thought it was going to look a year ago it it sounds like um, it sounds like you have a, a mindset that you are certain your identity doesn't come from performance. Uh, no, and it used to. And I was a performance-driven person, yeah. very much so. Yeah. And that came from, um, I can't, you know how you get compared to somebody? And it's not my brother's fault. I love my brother. But I was always compared to my older brother, who everything he touched turned to gold. He has um, just a favor on his life. And so it was like, you know, I would try to, you know, measure up, measure up, measure up, measure up. And um, if he made this amount of money, well, I had to try to make more. Well, I can, there's no way I can catch up to that. He's, he's way beyond where I'll ever want to be or ever be financially. But it's, 
that comparison thing will drive a, perf a performance mindset and mentality that you, cannot, you can't compete. You can never measure up. And, and, and that, again, that becomes your purpose then. And, that, and that's not really a core value. That's something that I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just I'm getting older or if I've just gone through enough crap in life that I realize that, you know what, at the end of the day, what's going on in here is the most important thing, is your heart. And, and because if my heart is good, then what I'm able to give to you is going to be good, which is why I went on sabbatical. I'm like, I've got to, I need to heal. I need to have, um, I need to learn what forgiveness is. I have to walk it out. Look, you have to forgive. That's the other thing. When we're walking in this life, forgiveness has to be something that is so foundational in what we do. And forgiveness doesn't look like saying, I forgive you. It is a process. It is crying. It's being angry. It's doing all the things that come with forgiveness. You have to feel the pain to heal the pain. And you cannot forgive somebody if you're not verbally processing those things out loud, that why you have to forgive them in the first place. This is so encouraging. Do you guys hear the, I want a life that honors God? I mean, to me, you're, you're sharing, um, you know, in these moments, I slow down, I slow my thoughts, I spend time with the Lord, or I do this, or sometimes it's business, sometimes it's church, but it's, I want to please God. I want a well done. And I don't think that's something that, personally, I don't know if that's something you can turn on and off. You either kind of have it or you don't. Like, you're living for Him or you're living for you, or maybe you're living for him, and then you find out you've really been living for you along the way as he shows you. Yeah. Would you feel like there's been a journey in that, or is it, is it a light switch, or is it a ongoing revelation of you know areas where your purpose is for him or for you, or maybe you, something you could answer through your last couple of years? Yeah, I think for me it's just I keep getting put in situations that are revealing, okay. and instead of turning from them or numbing out of them or trying to run from them, I'm facing them head on. Wow. And I don't know if I, maybe it's just because there's more <laughs> now that I have more opportunities to. I don't, for whatever reason right now, it just seems like the Lord has just got his finger on something with me. And it's like one opportunity after another opportunity gets exposed on how, how am I going to respond? What am, what am I going to do now? It, it, do I care about the, you know, probably the nicest vehicle we ever owned getting totaled? And I had to, in my heart, I'm like, okay, that was a very nice car. And it got totaled, and I'm glad that it saved my wife's life, because if we had the car we had before, she probably wouldn't be here right now. And so then I'm like, Lord, what are you calling me to do in this? And not get rid of all the pretension. There's just, there's so much toxic environment that we live in right now that, that it, it, it tries to pull our attention all the time. I read something uh, yesterday that there are distract distractions that are distracting us from our distraction. Mm -hmm. That we, we are so many layers of distracted here in America that we don't even realize how distracted... Check the screen time on your iPhone. Check the, the report on how long you're actually on your phone every day. We don't realize how much we are distracting ourselves from feeling yeah. stuff and actually having to work through what it is that's in our life that the yeah. Lord has called us to work through. Yeah. And like I said yesterday, we've been practicing this thing, uh, or yesterday we practiced this thing where we were trying to reject all thought. Like <laughs> we went to soccer practice or a soccer game <laughs> and we left, and there was this really nice Lincoln Navigator parked right next to us, and it's big enough for our whole family. Right now we have a midsize SUV. We went from a full size to a midsize, and we're crammed in this thing we have four kids and we went that is this car is so nice that we have right now I love this vehicle that we are in and I am grateful for it and so I think um, yeah it's just getting put in those situations and then responding to the Lord you got to stay in scripture to realize too right we got to uh, this is something that she had um, that my mom had told me early on when I got saved um, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and, and insecurity and stuff um, right, right before I got saved especially. It was like the lowest of low for me. And uh, dealing with a ton of insecurity right after I got saved. And she said, why don't you write down all the scriptures that God says who you are? I mean, without scripture, we don't, we, this is all just humanism and good ideas, right? If we're actually drawing from the power that's in the word, that's what transforms our lives. 
And so I wrote down these 10 scriptures and I'd wake up in the morning, I'd stare. And I know that also because I read the Bible that we are made in his image. And according to that, that means what I declare according to his word will be done. And so if I declare into the atmosphere here upon this earth, that what is in heaven is actually going to come in here and transform because it's what his word says. And so I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You're the head and not the tail. You're above, not the beef, but not beneath. You have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You are a chosen royal priesthood. You are a royal diadem. You are, you have been adopted by God. You are a son. You are a child. It's like, and so I would just declare scripture over my life. And I feel like that, that moment for me was super foundational so that when, um, when I'm in the season that I'm in now, it hasn't tanked me, you know, I've definitely been held underwater for longer than I'd prefer, but I haven't drowned yet. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you've hidden his word in your heart. Yeah. And I think, too, enjoying the, enjoying the journey. The journey is more than just purpose. There's yeah. a lot more in life than so just much more. purpose. So I don't want to get caught up in just that one word. Um, when I was uh, feeling um, lower than low, how many of you felt like that before? Were you just like, uh, you know, and then those thoughts come depression and everything. And I really had to kick depression out. Um, I was actually on an antidepressant for a season. And uh, I went off of it and just chose to. I was just, finally, I was just like, you know what? I, I, for me, if you're on one, that's between you and, you know, your doctor and God. I'm not asking, telling you that you should go off. I went off of it. And through that process, um, I was like, you know what? Um, when it was all out of my system, I actually wound up feeling better than I did when I was, when I was on an antidepressant for me. And... Um, when I felt so depressed and so down and just like constant feeling like a failure and feeling defeated and looking at my life at 53 years old and measuring it with um, the world standard of where I should be at according to what the world says, what my bank account should look like. Because right now I'm believing God for a whole lot of stuff for financial miracles and breakthroughs. Where I sh- in my mind I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be here right now. I sh- that shouldn't even be something I should have to worry about at my age anymore. And all these things, right? We have all these lists of things of where we think we should be at. And so I said, God, what, what's going on? I need to pick myself back up, and I'm having a really hard time this time. I've, I don't know if it's just like, this is my last time. I can, like, this was it. This is the one that broke the camel's back, and I don't know that I can get back up. And he said this to me so clearly. For I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And at that moment, I thought, well, if God thinks good thoughts about me, then I can think good thoughts about myself. And he knows everything about me. He knows things about me that I don't even know about myself. And he still says, I think you're good. I think good thoughts about you. He thinks good thoughts about you. That'll get you back up and on your feet. Because now all of a sudden my measuring rod looks a little different. It's no longer the measuring rod that the world uses, but it's the one that he uses. And the one that he uses is the blood of Christ. That's the best. Amen? Do you have time for another question? So I was, um, I was reminded of a message you preached some time ago, a month ago, about what are you eating, nutrition, work, and rest. And the question was, how do you take care of yourself while laying your life down for Jesus? And what made me think of it was you just said, you know, our whole life isn't purpose, which I would think of as work and labors, but there's also what are we eating, which apparently you read the Bible. So that's great. Thank you for doing that. And uh, so, but how do you, how do you rest? How do you, how do you, you know, now that I, I know God thinks good thoughts of me, he actually values me and loves me. He hasn't called me to slave labor where I just toil for him all day, praying in tongues. What is that? How do you think about rest and enjoying the journey and, and all that? You know, here's the thing in, um, 
as leaders, and we all are leaders, and I'm going to talk about what it looks like to rest. We talk about reading the Bible and praying when that's really about an hour of what we do every day, right? And yet, we t- what are we doing with all the rest of that time? I mean, if you're at home all day reading and praying, I mean, that's amazing, but... Yeah, occupy until I come is what it says. So, I mean, we we should be able to abide in the word and and bring it up into our remembrance throughout the day. Um, So for me, one of the things that I'm learning is I am, um, I'm being serious about tomorrow. Um, I am starting a whole new eating habit. Um, I've gotten off stress. I've stressed eat eight. I didn't know I was. I didn't. I've never been one of those people, but this time I did. And um, so that's changing. What I'm putting into my body is going to be important, um, as well as exercise, which I've been exercising, and I'll continue to increase my exercise. Um, I like to listen to audible books, and so when I'm resting, um, when I when I call rest. And what some people might call rest is different. For me, resting is not the absence of work. That drives me crazy. Um, I find that, like, harder to do than anything. So I find rest going for a walk. Um, I find rest in reading a good book. I find rest in spending time with family. Um, I find rest in doing something that I enjoy. I'm not a person that likes to spend a ton of time alone, but I do need some time alone. Otherwise, um, I will go crazy, and people around me will go crazy. But I can pretty much get up in the morning and start a really deep conversation within five minutes. (laughs) I really can. I took her to the airport one time at five in the morning. Worst decision of my life. I don't like to be talked to till about, well, two in the afternoon or so. And, uh, yeah, the two of them, it was her and Aunt Di, and they're just like, bam, 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 I'm like, okay. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we'll drive this car off the road, I will. Um, does that answer your question? I just, I like to, I like to do things that um, benefit my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, like, a, just sit and like stare at a TV. Um, I have been watching movies in the evening to help myself like relax and slow down. I turn this off at a certain time during the um, night so that I'm not constantly on a screen. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've been reading a lot about this lately um, just because of where I've been at in my season that I've been at of like, if there's, if there's constant chaos going on, there's gotta be a place where I can still remain peaceful. Um, because I can't control, if I can't control my circumstances, I, I need to be able to control my peace. And if I can't live according to the chaos all the time, so because that seems to not be slowing down right now. And so um, rest, so in the very beginning that creation, on the seventh day it says the Lord rested. And what it actually means, it, it, it means that he actually looked over and enjoyed the fruit of his labor. He, he rested in a way that looked at what he did and said, that was really good. I really like what I did. And he enjoyed what it was that he created. And it's actually a verb. So to rest is actually has to, any verb, if, it's, if you have to run, you have to practice getting faster at running, right? If you're walking, you got to practice walking. To rest, it actually takes intention and practice in order to actually live a restful life. So the first time Sabbath is, is mentioned, and we took what I mentioned about yesterday is we took an intentional Sabbath day. First time it's uh, mentioned as the rhythm of creation, the Lord is actually looking at rest, and he's, he said, I did a good job. The second time Sabbath is commanded is the Ten Commandments, and it's after the Israelites are slaves to the systems of Egypt. And so it's actually a defiance the, to take a Sabbath is actually a defiance to the world's systems and the way that the world has been created, which is never-ending, unceasing labor with zero fruit, which is part of the curse as well, that you would toil and that, 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 you're, and that the toil would not produce the fruit that you're needing. So to actually take a day to Sabbath, to be done from all of your works, to sit back and enjoy, and whatever that looks like, if it's life that you find in walking, if it's in family, um, you know, we turned our phones off, we silenced them. If whatever it is to actually be restful, it's you are taking a stance against the systems of this world that says you have to work and achieve more and more and more to find your value and importance. What if we actually believe, though, that we're living for eternity? 
If we actually believe that we're living for eternity, our mindset switches from I have to get everything done in this life because then I won't have any more time, but we're actually going to continue on in just in another realm. So what if you were just faithful in this realm to see what happens in the next realm instead of trying to work yourself to death in order to achieve in this life, to feel significance in this life when real significance actually happens from well done, good and faithful servant. So rest is a violent action against the world systems. That gets me excited. So that got me really excited yesterday as I was rejecting all systems of this world and saying I am content in everything that your kingdom has and nothing else. So then it gives you the purpose then to work your butt off for the next six days, and it doesn't really matter because you know you've got another one coming. And this one of the books I was reading, this guy is talking about Sabbath, and he's like, people argue with me against the Sabbath. And he's like, I don't know why they're arguing from rest. Right. Like they're saying, no, I don't want to rest. Right. They're arguing with me. And he said, Jesus himself says that, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was, was made for man. So it's actually to serve your purpose here is to take time so to rest. Powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I wanted to talk about one thing before we close. Um, I want to talk about depression, but I want to talk about, because that's really important to me, because I've suffered from it most of my life. Um, Joseph, when we're talking about like purpose and everything, look at Joseph's life. I mean, he gets a vision or a dream that, you know, he's going to like have people serving him or whatever. And he gets thrown in to a prison. He's accused of, of like raping somebody he never raped. And then he gets thrown into prison. What did he do while he was in prison? Did he feel sorry for himself? Did he feel as though um, what just happened to him wasn't right? He, he, we never read anywhere, anywhere in the scriptures that it says that his own brothers threw him in a, threw him in a hole and, and sold him into slavery. Nowhere do we see that there was a lot of resentment and hatred or anything like that or unforgiveness. What he did is he thrived wherever he was. So whether you get thrown into a prison or not, thrive. Yeah, come on. You can decide to thrive, or, 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 or what are you going to do? What's your, there's, for me, in my life, the way I'm made up, there's no option. I have to get up, and I have to thrive. Yeah. I can't have a survival mode. I can't ha- you can't have that mentality. And that's where depression, when we think about depression, think also, what are you eating? Just practically speaking, what are you putting into your body? There's certain chemicals and foods that actually can contribute to you being depressed. That's why I tell Matthew all the time, like, don't be drinking. Oh, somebody, oh, you either. Don't be drinking that, all that Diet Mountain Dew. Aspartame is awful. It is awful. Look up just aspartame. No, it's just a tent. It's just a tent. This brain's more than just a tent. It affects the way you think. There's certain foods. I mean, we talk about gut. I can get on gut health, too, but I can bring somebody else up who knows a lot more than I do. And she could get up here and talk to you for days about gut health. But you know who I'm talking about? Anybody know? Megan. Um, So it's, it's important that we actually think about what we're putting into our mouth. Because it does affect the way that you think, and it affects the way that you feel. And so, um, let's, anyway, that's for free. And also, drink lots of water. This is, you're like, this isn't spiritual. This is very spiritual. Drink lots of water. Because you're flushing all that crap that you're putting in your body in the first place out. And so, lots of water is really important. Um, But when I'm, when I think about living a life that is going to, at the end of the day, make a difference, it has to start with you. It has to start with me. What are we thinking about ourselves? Because what we think about ourselves is often what we're going to portray and how we think about others. Yeah. And take some time to create, and, and there's a book that um, I think you're reading it right now, but I was listening to Dr. Caroline uh, Leaf. I really like her and enjoy her um, her writings and uh, the way that she teaches and talks about the brain. But there's a place where you can get to where it's called either white space, she calls it thinking space. And you create time for yourself, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever, every day, where you do nothing. You're not thinking about anything. You're not trying to fix a problem. You're not trying to f- figure out you know, what, what you're gonna uh, have for dinner, nothing. There's nothing. You're just daydreaming all you're doing. It's called white space or thinking space. You're just sitting there. You ever done that before? Like you're driving in a car and all of a sudden you're like, I don't even know how I got here. 
because you were just daydreaming. That actually activates things in your brain that causes you to be able to figure out problems quicker and resolve situations quicker than if you had never done that. So all this time that we're trying to figure things out just creates a space to think and dream. So ceasing from doing gets you doing better. Yep. It's the total opposite of what our mindset is. You know, our culture is all rise and grind, rise and grind. That is garbage. You don't need to rise and grind. You need to do whatever the Lord's calling you to do. Come on. And give yourself a break. And watch. We don't give him enough credit for the doors that he can open. Come on. It's pretty amazing what happens when you're faithful to him, the doors that he can unlock. This has been so good. I, I, aren't you guys thankful? I, I think what I love about, and I take a little liberty, I feel like I'm sharing for the community, but I love how honest and vulnerable you guys are. And you make, um, you know, you make leading and following Jesus, being faithful, very practical. It's not a hyper-spiritual thing. It's like this is something I could actually do because I'm like you. You're normal. And I feel like it, I, I just feel grace being released for people to connect with God right where we are and remain faithful and, and pulling people into a well done. So thank you so much for sharing and being honest. So I just want to say thanks. You got a couple people standing. You feel like you got something? No, okay. No? <laughs> well then, good thing our identity doesn't come from this. <laughs> yeah, there are more churches in town. There's lots of them. So. Find your way. I know. I'm, I'm ha haing. Um, we're done. Why don't we stand up? You guys are. We're released. Uh, ministry team, if you guys can come forward, we have a team of people that want to pray and uh, just agree with heaven for anything that you might have need of. If it's healing in your body, if it's breakthrough, clarity on something going on, um, that's why they're here. And uh, I just see, I, it feels like people are going to go home and start to connect with God in a new way where the hustle and bustle, the grind kind of slows down and you can hear what he's saying. So I just want to say, Father, thank you for what you've released this morning. Thank you for a new version of life. Uh, I see like, you know how you download software on a computer and you see like 2.0 being released? That there would just be more and more grace flowing through each of our lives to do what you've called us to. Amen. If this is your first time here, there is uh, the bridge that's in the back. We want to meet you and greet you. We got a gift. It's um, this green sign out through the glass doors to my right and your left. And look forward to seeing you all next week. Hope you have a great week. We're here Tuesday for outreach. Is this week at 6.30. We meet in the back prayer room. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.